What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. Today is a special crossover episode. The first time we brought together a member of our entertainment staff, that's senior editor, Leanne Bukovic. Hey, Leanne, how are you? Hey, Will. I'm, you know, doing fine. Thanks for having me. Did I, did I mangle your name, by the way? I know. I usually say Bukovic, but Damn it's it. fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Okay, we're starting off on a great foot. And um, from our food team, staff writer Kat Thompson. How are you, Kat? I'm great. And I guess, yeah, my name is pretty easy to say. (laughs) Yeah, I felt safe on that one. Uh, So worlds (laughs) are colliding here. Uh, We're talking about the best food movies of all time. We're also going to give some recs on food docs and TV series you can stream. Some of the best food moments in movies that aren't necessarily about food. So my initial question do you guys ever pair food with movies? Like when you're watching a movie, do you do you cook a dinner? I watched Godfather three last night for the first time actually, and mm-hmm. I I made sure I had some red wine and a meatball sub. Leanne, do you ever do that, or, or is that just me? You know, I don't, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Like in in the spirit, I think it's very fun. Um, I guess I'm just lazy, really. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Kat, yeah, yeah, Kat. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much ditto. Although I will say, like, I always have a snack when I'm watching a movie. Maybe because, like, I yeah, I don't know, just like the joy of eating while sitting on the couch and consuming content is um, fun. But it's usually like a bag of chips or like I order pizza. I don't know, something that like I don't put forth much effort to make. So weird for once. Yeah. I'm putting the most effort forth here. Uh, that usually doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> I will say that pairing booze is more natural to me. I think with like if you know, like you mentioned, The Godfather. If watch something like Goodfellas, you want a a nice red wine, sure. or you know, if it's a Korean film, maybe some sochu or Japanese something sake, or you know, like. I don't know, wine from a cool region. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. and that low effort. <laughs> low effort. Yeah, exactly. A little bit easier. You don't have to think about it very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So on that note, I think we want to get right into it. Um, the top three food, cooking, restaurant-related movies of all time. I mean, that's not really a genre, but I think, I think we all know what we're talking about when we mention you know, food-centric movies. I want to hear your top three, and I have three as well, and I think maybe we should just go around um, in descending order, and I'll go first, really. my Number three for me is a pretty easy pick. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, it is totally about food and candy, and everything in it looks delicious. I love the songs. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I loved it since I was a kid. Um, and my favorite piece of trivia from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie, quit showbiz after the movie, ended up being a large animal vet working with horses. Did you guys know that? Hmm. Yeah. I did not. I did not know that. Interesting. <laughs> that was, were we supposed to bring trivia? I did not bring trivia. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. That's just something I've always known. <laughs> you don't need any trivia. <laughs> the first thing you ever learned about Willy Wonka is the fate of the actor who played Charlie. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So um, I do, I this I agree though that like Willy Wonka is a is a great and fun food movie. Um, I am curious though. I did kind of want to bring this up: Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You know the the remake with Johnny Depp. 
How, how do you feel about that in comparison, Will? Well, here's, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't want to take too much time on this, but I'm glad to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that I'm a big Roald Dahl fan. I, I've read all of his books, um, you know, when I was a kid. But I think that the okay. Tim Burton movie is a lot more faithful to the actual book. But as terms of a film, I really like the original, um, the 1970s Willy Wonka version a lot better. I just think it's, it's much more entertaining. It's really hard to beat. Also, yeah. like the, the whole like tunnel sequence when they're in the boat and everything around them is just like they're on a bad acid trip truly freaked me out when I was a kid. And it, like one of the first thing that first things that maybe scarred me, uh, oh, which for sure. is to say now I love the movie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is all of the grandparents in the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, and there's the whole Grandpa Joe is really, you know, the biggest scumbag in the world. If you look at all the evidence. Um, well, Leanne, what, what do you think? What's your third favorite food centric? Well, movie? so I actually have a, a tie okay. for my third. Um, I have uh, number three is 1994's Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Uh, it's an Ang Lee film that is set in Taipei. And it's about like this patriarch and his three daughters living life, and he runs like this this big restaurant and just loves cooking for people. Um, and it's lovely and funny and dramatic and all of these great things. Uh, my second third favorite, I guess, uh, is called Like Water for Chocolate, and it came out in 1992, and it is a uh, Mexican film based on a novel by a woman named Laura Esquivel. Um, and it's just like this very surreal telling about um, a woman and her two daughters and like this crazy like love triangle that kind of happens between um, the youngest daughter who's supposed to be like taking care of the mother, like based on tradition, isn't allowed to marry, but it's just like at home cooking and, and doing all of these beautiful like things for other people but yeah it's it's like the surreal element of it is the thing that like really is exciting for me I love like magical realism and all of that so like one of the main characters her name is Tita but she like cries into a cake a wedding cake her sister's wedding cake actually um and then the next day like when they eat it all of the guests are like sobbing uh and it makes everybody sick <laughs> Um, and she cooks this like beautiful rose sauce um, that makes everybody who eats it like super horny, which sends her sister like off on a, a craze and like ends up in a, a brothel at the border. Uh, so, yeah, I, movies that make people horny. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry and horny. What a great combination. Well, Kat, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. Kat, you're coming at so Leanne, you know, works for our entertainment team. Um, you're coming at it from a food writer perspective. So you think about food all the time. It's, it's your job. So interested here in what your take is. What is your third favorite food movie of all time? Yeah, I, I'm honestly was like low key stressed about this because I was like, I don't know as much about movies as both of you. Um, and I feel like, okay, well, for starters, I'm going to say right now that um, this entire podcast, I'm going to be talking about animated movies a lot because for some reason, animated movies just look, the food in animated movies look so much better. Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. I guess it's so weird because I want to say, and I'm going to talk about Pixar for a bit, but not Ratatouille yet. Ooh. I want to say that I like to think about Bugs Life as a Ooh. movie wow. in the sense okay. of like production of food and like how 
I don't know. I think about like migrant workers and colonialism and the ways in which like we don't appreciate food or the people who produce food. Um, so it, I don't know if that counts as like a food movie, but I just want to throw it out there that A Bug's Life makes me think about food production. Okay. Which I, think I personally love this interpretation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get to Ratatouille in a bit, which is like my favorite <laughs> movie of all time, right. but um, come back to me in two rounds. <laughs> I love that. Okay, that's super interesting. Um, so for me, number two is um, the trip, which I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's Steve Coogan, Rob Roger, and oh, playing yeah. um, playing mm-hmm. kind of exaggerated versions of themselves, going through different types of midlife crises while they tour Northern England to review a bunch of fancy restaurants and you know do a bunch of Michael Caine impressions on the way. Which I won't do mine. We don't need that. And uh, I didn't know until I was kind of looking this up, because there are sequels, the trip to Italy, the trip to Spain, and recently, I think last year, the trip to Greece. I didn't know this was actually a series that was recut uh, to be released as a film. I had no idea. I remember seeing the trip, like, in theaters. I don't even remember why. I was like, oh, man, I got to go see this movie. Like, <laughs> That's weird. 2010, let's go. <laughs> yeah. But I did, and, like, it's so fun. They just, like, neg each other the whole time. Yeah, it's hilarious. And eating, like, delicious food. Yeah, I, I actually rewatched um, all of them right when quarantine started because, you know, like you can't travel. You can't really go out to restaurants. So it was the perfect kind of antidote to that. So, um, you know, I've been thinking about it lately and it's 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 highly rewatchable. So, yeah, Leanne, your number two pick. What are you thinking? OK, so I'm not going to steal Cat's Thunder and we can wait to talk about this until her her true pick. But my number two <laughs> is Ratatouille. Yeah. And that's all I'll say about it for now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like we just need to have a larger about it to the conversation, the three of us, because it's just the freaking best movie. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Well, yeah, we can we can save that because I have a, you know, spoiler alert. I, I kind of I kind of picked that as well. So, Kat, uh, your number two. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, well, maybe this is recency bias because I watched it on Netflix kind of recently, but um, that movie, The Platform. Um, oh. is an interesting food pick movie. More food I don't, scarcity. Yeah, I don't know why I'm, like, wh- I don't know where my brain is going. Maybe it's, like, the <laughs> pandemic. I'm just, like, really negative or something. But also, again, thinking about food scarcity and um, what are the luxuries that some can afford that others cannot. And then thinking about, like, that, what was that thing, uh, panna cotta that they were trying to protect at the end. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry for uh sorry spoiler we're trying to protect panna cotta at the end but it's like this beautiful panna cotta like spoiled with like uh cannibalism or etc sorry spoiler alert everyone no, it's a, so, you can basically get the gist of it if you watch the trailer but yeah yeah well for people that don't know because i i think i've seen the trailer for it but what is just generally the platform about yeah it's these people are stuck in this prison and the prison has like, like hundreds of um different layers to it and so there's um everyone's like trapped in this room in with and on a different floor in the prison and then each day from the very top this like platform is filled like filled to the brim with food and it's like filled with layered cakes and lobster and like just like luxurious items so each time like the people at the very top can eat whatever they want and then eventually by like floor 70 or 80 or whatever like all the food is gone so the people on the floor like 300 are starving and eventually like um reduce get reduced to like cannibalism or like they die i don't know it's uh very graphic but the food does look beautiful when it's not being like 
completely smashed. Interesting. It's kind of like a vertical snow piercer. Yeah. Instead of a yeah. train, it's yeah. like the up and down platform. If, if to yeah. think about it that way. So you know, lots of foreshadowing here. My number one um, is Ratatouille. I'm just you know I'm just gonna say it, and I will let you guys speak to it. But uh, it is also we did a best Pixar movie podcast way way back in the year 2019 and that was actually my pick for my favorite Pixar movie I love it it's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time Leanne what's your take here okay well my number one is not Ratatouille as you can as we know already um my number one is uh Tom Popo which is uh what what is called I guess a ramen western quote-unquote um it's Japanese film um, basically about this woman who is like striving to make like the perfect bowl of ramen, uh, stars a very young Ken Watanabe who like cheers on the woman whose name is Kampopo, which means dandelion, which is very nice. Um, mm-hmm. and then like kind of on the side is all of this is, is all of that is happening. That's like the central story. There's like this Yakuza guy who's kind of like narrating the thing, but you also are like getting peeks into his life. And it's just like about everybody's connection with food. And also it's super horny. Uh, so like <laughs> on brand, I guess. Uh, there are some very, very famous explicit scenes. Uh, one including this, this Yakuza guy and his like mistress in a hotel room doing all this like weird dirty stuff with food like cracking open a raw egg and then like spitting the yolk back and forth into each other's mouths until it like explodes G- get it uh, oh my god Leanne. yeah good lord um, Leanne's on the horny phase and I'm like, I apparently yeah quarantine I guess uh, but like the thing is it's like it's it's not like necessarily pornographic it's it's just like the like weird erotic sensual same with like like water for chocolate, uh, very similar in the way of like, there's a lot of like sensuality mixed in with the food, which I feel is just kind of like, I mean, it's the kind of thing that like Anthony Bourdain was all about, right? Yeah. RIP, but yeah, it's yeah, like totally. noticing the, the crossover between the two. Well, it's definitely, Leon, I'm glad you brought that movie up because when I was kind of looking um, around at clips of food and movies, that uh, title came up a lot and I had never heard of it. Yeah. And it just seems, no, it's, it's it amazing. seems interesting yeah, it's at the very least. Yeah, no, it's on the, it was restored by Criterion in, I believe, 2016. Um, so you can watch it on the Criterion channel. Awesome. So, Kat, your number one pick. Yeah, it's it's Ratatouille. Same as you, Will. Yeah. It's just, I love, like, the idea that anyone can cook is, like, the running theme. It's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. Also, the, you know, like, the scene where the food critics, like, taste the Ratatouille, it, like, reminds me, it's, like, very like Proustian, like Proustian eat, Proust eating the Madeleine and being transported to like a time in his childhood, and like the food critic eating the ratatouille and you know thinking about his mom, and I just think like like us envisioning the ways or like we we can all relate to the ways that like the taste of something can like take us to a moment that's like very special or sacred to us, and yeah, that movie like really highlights that, and that's what I love about food. So I love ratatouille. Yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Have you ever heard, I was just kind of thinking about this, have you ever heard that um, the debate that the Ratatouille in Ratatouille isn't actually 
ratatouille. And I know I said ratatouille a lot in that sentence, so <laughs> I'm not sure if that was confusing. <laughs> but it's actually a variation on a dish called tian. Do you have any any context to your cat at all? I did not know that that's what people were saying. Because I think, I guess, like, the ratatouille that they make in the movie is so, like, upscale. And ratatouille is normally more of a... They even say this in the movie. It's like a peasant dish, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's usually, like, chunks of vegetables stewed together. So it's, like, pretty simple. So I did not know that it's supposed to be a different dish. But, I mean, I think there are restaurants, like, high-end restaurants that do this all the time. Like, take, take something simple and, like use like really nice ingredients to make it different. I won't say elevated, but like sure. more upscale, I guess. <laughs> more presentable in that scenario to people who would care about that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, those are, those are awesome picks. And I kind of want to move it along here because this is great. Um, this is uh, something that really interests me, not necessarily food movies, but favorite food moments in movies that aren't necessarily about food. And I kind of think about this as like, you know, what What scenes in movies just always make me super hungry? And, and the first thing that comes to my mind is in Hook, the uh, the Robin Williams Peter Pan movie. Uh, not that I have to explain Hook. I think everyone knows what that is. But the imaginary <laughs> dinner scene where, you know, they use their imagination and all of this really bright, like, colorful fantasy food kind of fills up their bowls and then they end up having a food fight. I always thought that that looks just delicious. Um... You know, Kat, you mentioned animated films. I think all of the food in Spirited Away and a lot of the other Studio Ghibli movies always make me hungry. Um, yep. The And one more, um, the noodle scene in Blade Runner, when Blade Runner starts at the beginning and Harrison mm-hmm. Ford is, you know, kind of in the rainy, uh, futuristic L.A. He's eating noodles at a little cart. That just always stuck with me, and I've always kind of just tried to replicate that experience when I travel, and um, I don't know, that's something that always stuck with me that just made me feel... Have, have you succeeded? No. <laughs> the, I think the closest <laughs> I ever got was, um, you know, some of the food markets in Thailand. But, um, you know, you mentioned Bourdain. I know I was actually really excited because when he was going to build that uh, big food hall in New York City, that was specifically mm-hmm. something he referenced in, like, his uh, like mood board, oh. like, that scene. So I was like, oh, my God, this weird reference is actually coming to life, but... um. As we know, that never panned out. Yeah, those are some of my moments. Leanne, are there some moments for you from non-foodie-centric movies that always make you hungry that kind of stick out? Sure. And so I have a couple that are like, mmm, delicious. And one that's like, mmm, disgusting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So definitely like all the Miyazaki movies, like gorgeous animated food, just like it looks better. Uh, specifically want to shout out Ponyo. Ponyo loves ham, dude. Yes. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I love watching little Ponyo eating that bowl of ramen and like biting into the ham. Uh, it makes me happy every time. That movie is derided unfairly. It's a good movie. It's, it's fantastic. It's so warm. Like, Thank you, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was also going to bring up uh, The Farewell, which came out last year 2019 jesus yeah last year um and that movie just has like a lot of beautiful like family moments family dinners like sitting around the table of like i just want to eat everything specifically um when aquafina like goes back um visits her family for the first time in a while and like they're all eating together and knowing that like her grandmother has cancer but like her grandmother doesn't know that um which is the conceit of the whole movie um and yeah just like a lot of shared beautiful food moments together um i also love 
the moments in the Phantom Thread. <laughs> Uh, but specifically oh my God, yes. the the breakfast order, the very extensive breakfast order, uh, which ends with the note of like for the hungry boy, which is a great thing to reference, just calling somebody the hungry boy. <laughs> yeah, but Kat, some of your uh, favorite food moments, whether they're gross or appetizing. I'm gonna skip over the Ghibli because you kind of hit that. But yes, their food is, looks the best. Um, I think a moment I that like immediately came to mind um, was like that scene in Inglorious Bastards with the strudel and the whipped cream. Mm-hmm. Like that scene is like steeped in like tension, and like there's like these cuts that like we can see like the layers, um, the laminated layers of the strudel. But there's like this anxiety, and then like beautiful shot of the cream being like topped. I don't know. I just like that was the first thing that came to mind, and probably like the only time I will not talk about animated food. I guess during this <laughs> podcast. Actually, wait, no, I have another one that's not animated, but the um, that movie that just came out last year, Always Be My Maybe, with like Ali Wong. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of great scenes of like San Francisco Chinatown and like cool dim sum dishes. So that's a good one. But I think the one that is the most nostalgic, and I wonder if this will like ring any bells for you guys, but. In a goofy movie, the pizza, the cheese pizza in a goofy movie, like when they're lifting a slice and like you can see the strands of cheese. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I feel yeah. like so, a very, it's so satisfying. To, <laughs> yes. Like thank the you. Pole, okay. is the platonic ideal of the awful. Yes. I, I'm not going to say it, but it starts with the C and ends with the cheese pole. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just looks so freaking good. Like. Yeah, I I was thinking about I have not seen a goofy movie in a very long time, but the cheese the cheese pizza has stayed with me all those years after all those years. Okay, we're gonna take a really quick break, but we'll be right back. So as far as uh, something that people can watch at home, they can stream, um, what what food centric TV shows are you watching right now? So I, I'm actually actively looking for some shows and series that I can watch. So Leanne, you know, what's something that you think I would be interested in? Um, have you a little, have you heard of a little show called Billions, Will? <laughs> Billions? Like, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Um, on Showtime. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously Billions is not a, a food show. I was going to say, I didn't want to say anything. I was like, oh, uh, I had the wrong idea about that show. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. So obviously it's about like, you know, High, big money but like food is such a big part of the show um in a way that like celeb chefs pop in all the time and like act like they're Bobby Axelrod's pal oh really uh yeah so they're like always doing like some kind of like there's always like a food element within the show like Paul Giamatti's character Chuck Rhodes who's like the district attorney for the, the southern district of New York uh, takes like one of his his like subordinates to um, oh my god is it Walensky and Co where they have the the famous mutton Smith and Walensky the steakhouse yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah they go there and he kind of like uses that as a way to like pressure the guy into doing what he wants uh, so just really for like food moments but not a food show necessarily that's a good one right they just... I also want to defend the new great British bake-off British bake-off <laughs> um it's 
everybody made so much fun of it when the first trailer came out because it was full of this like anthropomorphic food. <laughs> um, but Noel Fielding is very funny, and Sandy Toxic, who is uh, not coming back for new seasons, uh, them together I like very much after they get into a groove. The Great British Bake Off is a great one that I didn't even think about that, but that is like my stress relieving TV show. Like Absolutely. If you, you want to have some like nice. You want to have a, a cup of tea and have a good time. Then then watch that show. <laughs> um, cool. I have. I guess I'll have two shows that I like on opposite ends of the spectrum. But if you want to watch something that's like educational and learn more about food in America, um, Padma Lakshmi's new show, Taste Nation, on Hulu mm-hmm. is very good. Um, it highlights like all foods that have been brought. Um, from immigrants, but there's also an episode about um, Native American food, like indigenous food, which is like really fascinating. And mm-hmm. yeah, she just like travels all over um, America from like Hawaii to New Jersey. And like um, each episode like kind of centers on a different food. Um, there's like an episode about pot thai and there's one about um, like lomo saltado. So it's really cool and quite informative. And I think it's like a fresh take on like the food travel show. Yeah, um, for sure, I agree. I just I just finished this like last week, um, and it was definitely like one of the most gratifying like food travel show watching experiences that I've had like in a long, long, long time. I think. Yeah, Kat, you interviewed Padma Lakshmi for uh, Thrillist, right? About about the show. I did, I did, and she was very gracious and super cool. But yeah, like we got to talk about. Like she, you know, she was saying that she wanted to make this show because she didn't feel like she had seen this show. And I, I, I kind of agree because like everyone who's comparing her show, like everyone talks, brings up um, Anthony Bourdain sure. and talking about her show or someone like Jonathan Gold, which is like really cool. They're both like amazing. Um, they, they're both such beacon, beacons of knowledge about food. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're also like both white men who are like entering the food world as like an outsider. So it's kind of cool to see like a woman of color, like come in and like, she is an immigrant herself and like really talk about the immigrant experience. Cause I felt like in the Thai episode, I felt like I was watching like my own family's story. Like I felt very seen. And I don't think that um, a lot of these like cooking or travel food shows ever have really do that. So like it was powerful for me too. Cause I, I was like, yeah, this is what my mom does. Or like we go to the temple too. And we like eat at the Thai temple on the weekends, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's on Hulu right now, so everyone can check it out if you have a subscription or if yeah. you steal a subscription from someone. Yeah, and my other pick is also on Hulu, so this is great. But my other pick is not, it's, it's Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Just some good old, good old quality Bob's Burgers is <laughs> easy watching. You know, that is a show yeah. that is, um, I feel like so many people have told me to watch that show where I almost, you know, don't want to watch it because of that. Uh, what do you like about Will, Bob's Burgers? Oh my yeah, God. All right, here we go. Yeah. Will you, Will, you would like it. Okay. Will, you'd Will like, like it. It's, Will, you'd it's, like Bob Burger. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. It's so funny. Their Thanksgiving episodes are always so great, too. Like, I I don't know. It, you just have to watch it. It's, it's, like, really cleverly written, and and there's always great burger puns. And yeah. You know, like, honestly, I'm thinking about, like, the food that you see. You, It's never, like, so enticing or anything, like, Studio Ghibli, but it's still, you know, it's still nice. And it's about a restaurant, a dysfunctional family running a restaurant. So it's good. 
Awesome. Well, now on Hulu. This is not sponsored by Hulu, by yeah. the way. But if you want to throw us some bucks, <laughs> please <laughs> go right ahead. Well, you know, on the heels cool of that, out. yeah, on the heels of that, I think we'd be remiss not to um, talk about some of our favorite food documentaries because I'm sure you guys have a lot of thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like you can't talk about food documentaries without talking about Jiro Dreams of Sushi, mm-hmm. um, yep. just because of how, one, like, beautiful it is, and just, mm-hmm. I feel like it did so much for that space in general, and now, like, you can't even, like, get into his restaurant anymore, so it's it kind of captures this, like, very specific moment in time, in a way, uh, that is just not accessible anymore. Um, I also think Psalm is a, is a good doc that it, it basically like walks you through a bunch of, uh, people who are preparing for the master sommelier exam and, uh, all of the things that they have to go through, all the training, uh, to even like get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, also wine related, uh, I think sour grapes is really fun. It's essentially about like a wine con man who basically like mixed a bunch of crappy wines to make it taste like very good wine uh and then sold it for a ton of money um like at auctions and things like that um those are those are i don't know i also like the i don't know i feel like i i have a lot of like beverage centric ones the, the birth of sake to me is also incredibly beautiful i think it's still on netflix it used to be Actually, most of these things should still be on Netflix. Um, but that is also just like absolutely gorgeous. You're watching the process of 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 sake being made, and it, it and it goes through like all of the winter, and people like in this one shop that they focus on leave their homes to go and stay for months um, to kind of like have these really grueling shifts to make it like quote unquote correct in like the very old style traditional kind of method. That's super cool. Uh, no, I love the beverage picks, and those are all great. Um, I think that Psalm and Sour Grapes are, like, it, that's a great, like, double feature, seeing both sides of the wine world. Like, Kat, as far as food docs, in your opinion, uh, you know, what are some of your favorites? Um, I'm going to pick a docu-series, if okay. that's okay. Of because, course. Um, yeah, Jiro, of course, classic. But um, And Leanne and I have talked about this, but um, Street Food on Netflix is very mm-hmm. good. And Leanne, I think you're saying the second season is, just came out yeah 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 street food latin america came out a couple weeks ago yeah but like the first season the first two episodes like i cried through both of them like they were just like so good but basically like you know um these uh these people like they go to different parts of the world and examine like the different street foods and like they highlight these um incredible like chefs who like have you know, a lot of these stories are like rags to riches type stories and like they're really powerful how they like, how, how is it possible that um, a woman in Thailand making crab omelets can have like a Michelin star? Like it's kind of like this, you know, tracking um, like this success, which is really interesting. And the food shots are like so beautiful. And I, I feel like everyone, like I, I learn something new each time I watch it, just like different foods from around the world. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And it's very, very touching. I would say. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's so well shot too. I mean, um, it, it, they're taking street food, which, it, you know, some of my it, favorite food and it's, it's, they, they treat it like an episode 
of Chef's Table, which makes sense because it's by the same people who made Chef's Table. But it's cool yeah. to see that type of yeah, food showcase. Yeah, I was going to say it's the same like guy that. at Chef's Table and Jiro. Yeah. 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 So if you know what he's doing. Style, yeah. It's exactly like that. Uh, yeah. No, it's amazing. Now streaming yeah. on Hulu. No, it's on Netflix, yeah. actually. <laughs> Shifting gears a little bit, I want to ask you guys about your favorite fictional bar or restaurant um, or even favorite fictional food. I, I One that jumps to my mind immediately is like, you know, the bar from Cheers. I feel like it's become the gold standard for the neighborhood hangout, you know, the bar where, to quote the song, where everybody knows your name. Um I don't think that's a realistic standard. I don't think there's ever going to be a bar in your life that is exactly like that. Because if you go into a bar and um, everyone's there all day, they don't usually act that happy. It's usually a lot more depressing yeah. <laughs> than what Cheers portrays. Yeah. I remember reading Harry Potter and always wanting to eat in, in in their dining hall, especially like the Christmas dinners. But what comes out to your mind? Yeah. Like, What do you want to experience? Sure. So like two in particular, and maybe because they both have to do with hamburgers in some way <laughs> um but like the crusty crab yes oh my god Leanne, that's on my list <laughs> yes thank god I want, I've, I've wanted to have a crusty burger for my entire life maybe um, give me a crabby patty yes crabby patty burger um and then also good burger like something about like good burger and the the sauce that goes on it like i want to eat at these places Okay, so I'm going to skip the Krusty Krab since we talked about it. Um, man, I'm going to talk about Disney more, which I feel like is annoying, but it's happening. I'm just talking about Disney a lot. But but Pizza Planet, like, I want to go to freaking oh, Pizza yeah. Planet yeah, yeah. and, like, eat pizza and play games and be, like, a kid. And I don't know, like, I drove by, like, Chuck E. Cheese the other day and they're like, we're doing takeout. And it made me so depressed. <laughs> but um, Pizza Planet would be a good one. Or... Um, in Princess and the Frog at the end, Tiana's place, you know, yeah. she, she has like right. a restaurant and it's on the river and there's like beautiful string lights and like the beignets in that movie look so like pillowy and good. So that's another one that I was like, that would be cool. But yeah, Harry Potter was also a big thing. I've always thought the three broomsticks and having a butterbeer would be cool, which you can do at Universal Studios. So, but don't go there now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, the other thing about that, too, because I, I do think that there is some like Pizza Planet type situation at Disney World. But yeah, though. And, you know, there's whatever the Star Wars Cantina they have now. But, you know, yeah. at theme parks, it never it's never like how you want it's it to not be. The same. It's really not. No. Yeah. No. It's, a cheap it's so much more fun in your imagination. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Same, same with like, same with like Moe's, like the Simpsons. Oh the yeah, Simpsons, yeah. Uh, yeah. Set up theme park. Like I would like to go and get a flame in Moe's <laughs> or drink like yeah. a, a Duff beer, whatever that actually is. But also, I don't. Just not there. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a Duff beer garden at Universal Studios and a, oh. and the Moe's. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever out in LA, we should go to Universal Studios. Yeah. <laughs> 2021 yeah we'll do it 2021 maybe exactly. i know that you guys wanted to talk about this favorite food moments in video games or food-centric video game i know kat you and i have talked about the cooking mechanism in breath of the wild and i think that you in zelda breath of the wild on, on the switch um i think you wrote about it a little bit but that was one of my favorite parts of the game it's so relaxing i know you guys are both video game enthusiasts kat what are some other video game moments that have to do with food that really stick out in your mind. Yeah, yeah. So I did write an article about this like 
last year just about food and video games and how I don't know prevalent it is how prevalent it's been since like arcade games like Burger Time or like Tapper which are fun games um from like way back when yeah but yeah I I think um Breath of the Wild is so fun because you it's experimental but I also think like I Cooking Mama comes to mind (laughs) like Cooking Mama was like the best game to play on the DS it was so fun and the food always looks so good. Again, just something about like these little pixelated foods. I don't understand, yeah. but that game was, you know, supposed to teach you how to quote unquote, teach you how to cook and like chop and like do things. And I remember in like on the first DS where there was like that little microphone, you would like occasionally have to like lift the DS to your mouth and like blow on the soup to make sure the <laughs> soup doesn't overflow. Um, so that's definitely one, but also Something else that I, I wrote about was um, Final Fantasy 15, which is a game that I haven't played. But when I was first doing research for that article, my brother was like, you have to include Final Fantasy 15. And if you go on YouTube and look up like Final Fantasy 15 food, there's like compilations of like all the gorgeous food you can make. And then I found like this Reddit thread where people were like crowdsourcing a recipe book um, based on like the different dishes you can make. So, yeah, the food in that game looks like incredible. It's like, yeah. it's truly unreal. Like better, yeah. again, like better than normal food, but like still incredibly realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, everything is like glistening. It's, it's yes. really gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Leanne, what do you think? Yeah. So got to agree with Breath of the Wild, like just such a grat- satisfying, gratifying little mini game as part of the game. And part of that, I think um, related in the new monster hunter (laughs) that came out a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago at this point. I don't know how time works anymore. Um, There's also like, not like quite a mini game, but like you walk up essentially to this little like cat guy and you ask him to make things for you. And it's, there's like this interstitial that's so fun to watch where he just like kind of spins around and does all this fun stuff and then presents you with a dish that is just strictly nourishment (laughs) when you go out and hunt giant, monsters and dinosaur things um i also love overcooked which probably makes me a sociopath um i love overcooked it's fine it's so fun i i'm (laughs) like i'm the kind of i'm the kind of person who will like play this by myself which is so sad okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) it's meant to be like collaborative and like two people like working together to like crank out a bunch of dishes and these like weird little um puzzles and you're like cutting like grabbing an ingredient and like chopping the onion and then putting it in a pot and make sure it doesn't uh burn um it's it's really like a true test of a relationship if you can play overcooked together and get along after a spill leanne we should play online together yeah be my friend play overcooked <laughs> yeah. i'm so down i can't beat certain levels by myself yeah <laughs> i don't know how you play by yourself it's so hard but it's it's I I like figured out the way that you can like kind of switch between one character at a time because there's a configuration where you can use the whole controller uh, on, at least on the PlayStation to do to move like two characters at the same time, which uh, absolutely not I'm not doing that ever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, anyone wants to play Overcooked out there, hit me up and hit <laughs> we can all play together. <laughs> yes. I might, I might sit that one out, but I have a... No problem. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't care. Okay, we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back. 
So our one last question, it's a little bit of a hypothetical here. So you're hosting a dinner party, right? Uh, this is after COVID, so it's safe to invite anyone. You can invite one person, living or dead, one Hollywood movie star, celebrity. Who are you inviting? Leanne. Well, I'm going to have a little three top, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking my fellow like chaotic goods to join me in this dinner. Um, and I think it would be Aquafina and Chelsea Peretti. And I think that would be an insanely <laughs> weird and fun dinner. Okay. Yeah, you can play. Really you can play over overcooked, and you'd have. A, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, dude. Cat, <laughs> who would you invite? Um, I would invite probably um one of my favorite people, and I feel like America's favorite person, uh, Chrissy Teigen. Okay. She is my oh, half white, yeah. half Thai sister, and I bet you, you know, like she already knows how to cook, so I feel like if she's coming to the dinner party, she's probably bringing like some good food. Also, her pans are great. I have them. And I feel like um, she would probably bring her mom along because I feel like she and her mom go everywhere together. And I love her mom. And her mom would probably bring some good food, too. So Definitely. my pick is Chrissy Teigen plus potentially Chrissy Teigen's mom. <laughs> Those are very good answers. Um, I guess I would I would choose uh, Peter Ostrom, Charlie Bucket, because I have hmm. a lot of questions about horses that I feel like he could answer. So... <laughs> well, I have to say, uh, there's a ton of picks laid out here that I haven't seen, that I haven't experienced, that um, I want to, both gross and appetizing, and weirdly horny this episode got, but um, it was a blast. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. Leanne, if people want to um, log on, maybe play Overcooked with you, uh, look up your stuff, where can they find you online? Well, do you want me to drop my switch code in here, or? <laughs> no. I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, no, I guess I'm on Twitter at L-E-A-N-D-U-T-K if, if you're so inclined. Cool. And yeah, Kat, what about you? Where can people read your articles and find you online? Uh, um, you can also find me on Twitter. It's Kat Thompson with a K and then two N's at the end of Thompson. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I will be there. DM me for my switch code. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah, this was so fun. Um, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. I still have half of that meatball sub. I ate half during the Godfather Part 3, but um, I saved half <laughs> nice. for right now. So I'm going to go do nice. that. Uh, yeah, cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Yay. Will. Thanks, Will. All right. Bye-bye. All right, big thanks to Leanne and Kat for coming on, and thanks to the entire Thrillist podcast team, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, producer Mia Fask, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Harakudor, and Dan Byrne, who edited and mixed this episode, and per usual, did an excellent job. Thanks for listening. See you next week. What are you doing outdoors?